Peter. And uh, around two years ago, uh, you know, somebody introduced me, uh, you know, to a, uh, you know, to a tape, and uh, as a speaker, and I started you not know, uh, listening to him. And around uh, a year ago, uh, I've been talking you know, to this man, and. Uh, Around three months ago, Paul, uh, he told me that he was going to come and share a additional convention. And uh, to be honest with you, I've been planning for this for the last I don't know when. And uh, and I'm, you know, in inside of me, there's a lot of things you know going on, and and a lot of feelings. And uh, I feel you know like crying. And uh, you know, it's an honor, you know, for me, you know, to introduce uh, this man. Uh, I'm you know from Miami, and. Um, we don't get this uh, type of message over there, and uh, it's just a privilege, man. Uh, really, really. Narcotics Anonymous, and I'm real grateful for that. And, uh, I'm a home group member of the Wednesday Night Survivors group in, in Richmond, Virginia. It's my home group. That's where I find most of my recovery at. An uh, example of what Mario said was how this program works. Never met the man before. We talked on the phone. We shared. I feel like I've known the guy all my life. Uh, that's exactly what this program is about. Especially good for me to be here back in Baton Rouge and Red Stick country. You know, I had the privilege of being clean here for two years. Uh, I was on the 85 committee, clean and alive in 85. I was an arts and graphics on that committee. I got three of my sponsors sitting over there. So I guess I have to be honest anyway. Two or three more people that I've had the privilege of sponsoring since I've been in Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, it's just real special to see some of the people that I haven't seen in a long time, but I, I've been with you all along anyway, in spirit anyway. You know, and I've met a lot of new people since I've been here this weekend. You know, I never think about what I'm going to say when I get up here to talk because after taking that first initial third step, my life is none of my business anymore anyway. As hard as I try to make it my business, it's not my business. And this convention is a little different in that I know both of the speakers that have spoke here on Friday night. And Saturday night. And I'm not going to break your anonymity, Carol. Don't worry. I'd like to thank the committee for inviting me here to share our shared experience, strength, and hope. It's not mine, it's ours. You know, I take credit for nothing in Narcotics Anonymous except being a member. And that's all I have, you know, and when I first got here, it wasn't like that. You know, I'd like to also thank the people that were here before me, uh, a couple of people in this room, Brother Rick, uh, Charlie, and those people that Mm. 
It gave me the opportunity to, to be a part of this. You know, uh, sometimes I get real emotional at these things, you know, and I talk about that sometimes when I talk. I, I just think that crying is a gift that, that I didn't have for a lot of years, and, and sometimes jokingly I call it an emotional douche, you know. And, those quite often today. You know, for a long time I never had that simple gift of tears that most people had because I spent a little over 14 years of my life, 15 years or whatever, in penitentiaries, uh, criminally insane wards, uh, Goonie Roost and other various places. And uh, I didn't know how to live, you know. And B, I thanked him this morning for being uh, relatively nice last night. <laughs> Dee and I go back for a while. We used to belong to the same group in Greenville, South Carolina, the Clean and Green Group of Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, he's been a very special friend of mine for a lot of years. And there's just so many people in here when I look out in the street. I can't name them all. It takes me the rest, of the rest of the morning to name the people in here that are real special to me because, I don't know, you gave me back my life. You know? Uh... I said I was an addict, and simply what that means to me that I have a disease, and I never knew that I had a disease. You know, our disease is one of attitudes and personalities, a general negative outlook on life that's deep-rooted in fear, insecurity, and low self-esteem. When we couple that with the obsession, the fixed idea that takes us back time and time again to the ease and comfort we want to do after having used whatever it is we use or some substitute. I guess you're familiar with that, too. <laughs> you know, and when the compulsion comes in, after you pick up that thing or that substitute, it's been to repeat itself over and over and over and over again. You know, it's just a cycle that continues, and it's progressive, and it? It's deadly. It'll kill you. You know. Uh, the third thing that not too many people talk about is denial. You know, can't see the handwriting on the wall when your back's against it. Type thing. And for a lot of years, my back was against that wall. I was convinced that everybody was a cheat, and everybody was a liar, everybody was out to get you, and you were no good, and. I had people in the criminally insane ward say that I was going to spend the rest of my life there. And guys in the penitentiary, these hacks or screws or whatever you choose to call them, took me back to the little green room in Virginia and said, this is where it's going to end for you. you know, Show me that chair. Thank God that didn't happen. You people saved my life. You know, I went to my first meeting in 1959. And I got clean in 1980 in Narcotics Anonymous. You know, I spent a lot of years trying to find out a solution for me. And it wasn't until I got to the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous that I felt at home at last. You know, when we first started Narcotics Anonymous in the area that I was from, we didn't have much choices but to go to some other places. And I thank God for a person that had 34 years in that other fellowship. It handed me my first white book, 
And he said, we've about exhausted all our remedies with you, Billy. I think you need to go over here and see if they can help you. <laughs> and this guy was very kind and loving and caring to me. And he told me that every time I opened my mouth and talked about my addiction, that I was violating their tradition. And I didn't understand that. You know, because when I first got here, I had long, I don't have much hair now, but I had long hair, a long beard. I didn't bathe too often. I was mean, arrogant. I throw chairs at you, I cuss at you. Uh, somebody look at me and I say, what the hell are you looking at? I don't like you in the damn way. I was that type of person, you know. I packed a pistol with me the first meeting I went to for about six months, you know. I didn't know what I was getting into with a whole room full of addicts. The addicts that I was used to associating with, uh, that just brought out their mentality in me, you know. It was the law of survival type thing. Uh, the first meetings that we had, we, we really didn't know what was going on, like Dee said. You know, and uh, we did the best we could do, and, and it's evident today that, that we did a pretty good job with God's help, and we had to reach out to each other, and there wasn't anything like going to a meeting a mile down the road, you know. In order to go to the meetings, we had to travel 50, 60, 80, 100 miles to attend meetings of Narcotics Anonymous, and uh, sometimes today I still don't mind traveling, but... The convenience of having meetings everywhere has sort of spoiled me, too, you know. But I forget where I come from a lot of times. I never forget my last day of using them, you know. And I am a new person, like Dee said last night. I hope that I'll always remain a new person. I hope that I never forget my last usage. Because if I, if I forget that, that, that does something that uh, is not right for me today. It means that my point of surrender is gone. You know, I have to remember where I came from. Uh, if I could change anything in my life today, I, I really don't think I would change anything. And I hear a lot of people say, if I had to do it over again, I would do it a different way. I really don't believe in that. You know, I don't talk about using. I think we're all familiar with using. I think we're all in this room the same. We all have the same thoughts, the same ideas. We've all been through the horrors of addiction that we go through. We know all about that. So I don't think that's really necessary to talk about specifics. And when I do, that separates me from you. And all my life I thought I was different and unusual and unique, you know. And I went to that workshop on terminally hip and whatever that thing is, you know, something cool. Well, we used to call it was hip, slick, and dead, you know. And today I try not to be hip, slick, and dead. Uh, I believe in having a good time in Narcotics Anonymous. I didn't come in here to be a, a stuffed shirt or whatever, you know. I'm just me. I'm Billy. I'm an addict. And that's all I am. Nothing else, you know. Uh, the friends that I have, uh, he talked about the hawks in the program. Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, and always had the word serious. I never take myself too seriously now. I can't afford to be too serious. You know, life is okay today. Life is just fine today. 
And I never thought it could be that way until I came in these rooms and I surrendered to this disease. And you people helped me and you people loved me and you people cared for me until I was able to start loving myself just a little bit. You know, when I first got here, I, my background had taught me to hate, you know, and, and anything that I didn't understand, I guess I automatically hated anyway. And uh, I hated me, and I hated you, and I hated what you stood for, and I thought you were all a bunch of jerks. And I'd sit in meetings, and i listen to you, and I'd say, what do they know, you know? They don't know anything. I've been to treatment like, oh, I guess 16 times. I've been in nut house a whole lot of times, and the counselors in the treat treatment centers, and treatment centers are okay, you know? But treatment centers aren't recovery. Discovery and recovery. <laughs> recovery is found right here in these rooms in Narcotics Anonymous if you're an addict and if you choose to use this program for recovery. I believe that all ways are good, but no particular way is necessary. That people are recovering in various ways today in different places and everything. And, uh, I hope none of us get the idea that we're special. We're not special. We have a vehicle to take care of this disease that we have today. And I choose Narcotics Anonymous. And after being around for about six months after we had meetings two or three nights a week in the particular town that I got clean in, I made a decision to go to only meetings on Narcotics Anonymous. And that's all I've done for the last 11 years. And I found... I found everything that I needed right here in these rooms. Everything that I needed. And when we first started NA, people said, that program will never work. Don't have any credibility. And I sat in here last night and I heard the clean time countdown with 480-some people with 1,500 years tell me it don't work. I've had the privilege of meeting people from all over the world in Narcotics Anonymous. Narcotics Anonymous has taken me to just about every state in the United States, to Canada. I met people from all parts of South America, England, France, Israel, Spain, Germany. You know, we have meetings in 52 countries now. And that's saying something for this fellowship. We do have credibility. But we're not out to try to outdo each other, I don't think. Sometimes that happens. I know that internal strife triples our fellowship, it tells me, in a basic text. You know, and sometimes that occurs in our fellowship. But I'm telling you that Narcotics Anonymous is here to stay, regardless of what happens. Service work for me is real important. I've been involved in service work ever since I've been clean. I've been ASR, GSR, RSR, USR, and Boo Boo, and all that stuff. <laughs> and a lot of times I did it for the wrong reason. You know, the core of our disease is self-centeredness, they tell me. And that's always my biggest problem, self-centeredness. 
through working the steps and trying to live this program to the best of my ability, I found out that I'm my own worst enemy. It's not you that do those things to me. It's me that does those things to me. And a lot of those things that I do to me, I wouldn't think about doing to you today. Uh, there's something about self-punishment that's still within me to a degree. It's gotten a lot better since I've been clean. You know, everything about me has got a lot better since I've been clean. You know, when I was in those penitentiaries, uh, I belonged to an organization called the Aryan Brotherhood. Some of you might be familiar with that. Thank God I don't think that way today. You know? God has blessed me with a series of events, people, places, and things that has caused my life to change in spite of me. He's put people in my life that really had no business being there. And in the last couple of years, you know, I've had the opportunity of sponsoring several black guys. I sponsored a gay guy. I sponsor a biker, you know, and that tells me professional guy, a college student. You know, that tells me that there's nothing special about anybody in this program. When we come in these rooms, all we need to qualify ourselves with is that I'm an addict. That's simple. The other stuff doesn't make any difference at all. It doesn't make a bit of difference, you know. And I was one of those N.A. Nazi type people when I first got here. And while I was still here in Baton Rouge, I was the same way. My reputation probably preceded me before this convention. But I'm here to tell you that we do change. You know, and that's the biggest problem that I have is resistance to change. And change is the only thing that has been constant in my recovery. And that's still my biggest problem a lot of times, that resistance to change. It's like I was going down a hallway with two doors that said, do not enter. I'm going to look in those two doors. I guess I'm not alone. And that's what Narcotics Anonymous means for me, never alone again. And I guess that's one of the most important messages when I first got here that I heard, although we didn't have any structure in our text us we're not structured anyway. You know, it said that I never had to use again and never had to be alone again. And, you know, I found that true. I can choose to be alone again, and I can choose to use. But as long as I have you, I haven't made that constant decision. You know, all I have is today. It doesn't make any difference how long I've been here. That's not important. And I'd like to tell you, some of you people that are new to the program, don't ever let anybody take that away from you. All we have is today. You've been clean today, you've been clean as long as anybody in this room. You're equal when you walk into these rooms. You're not different. You're not unusual. You're not unique. When you say you're an addict, you're home. That war is over that you've been fighting for a long time. You might not realize it for a long time, but it's over, you know. Our text talks about those who keep coming to our meetings regularly stay clean. 
those people who have a sponsor and has a sponsor and has a sponsor and has a sponsor and has a sponsor, they write the steps, they live this program like crazy, they usually stay clean. I heard Dee start talking about relationships, you know. I, I've been always a very sick individual when it came to relationships, you know. And I had my share of them. But I survived. Thank God. You know, and the most important thing I found out about relationships was how to have a relationship. First of all, I had to have a relationship with me. Secondly, I had to have a relationship with this fellowship. Thirdly, I had to find a relationship with a sponsor. And the most important relationship is my relationship with the God that I understand. I believe that none of us got here by accident. I believe that prayer has played a big part in getting here. You know, my mother prayed for me for years without any results. And all the time, I didn't realize that I was going to be here. You know, I don't think her prayers were answered when I came to the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous. You know, my mother had that unconditional love, even though and all the... She never gave up on me. And you people have that same type of love in this room. You know my mother. Sometimes I use you as my mother and my father, my brother and my sister, because you are my family today. I don't have much of a family anymore. You know, my mom and dad have passed away since I've been clean, and they were real hard times for me. And I might share about that a little later, you know. Uh, I don't know, because I... I try to ad-lib what I'm saying because, you know, it's not none of my business when I get up here and talk. And, you know, I'm just the, the mess. God has the message and Narcotics Anonymous has the message and I'm the mess. I stand up here and stuff comes out. Hopefully it don't come out of the side of my neck like it used to. I had a big problem with that all my life because of the way that I was conditioned. You know, I was one of those conversational triples, everything that came out of my mouth was usually a four-letter word preceded by mother. <laughs> Today I can put two or three sentences together without saying that, you know. And I try not to use that language when I'm particularly asked to share at a convention or something. I, I don't think we have to use those terms to express ourselves today, you know. I'm not saying that I will because I still use that language when I'm around people who, you know. <laughs> There's something about that that's contagious. I don't know what it is. I guess it's part of that low self-esteem that I have and I'm still trying to impress people. I guess. I really don't know. You know, uh, but that language could offend some people in these rooms, you know, and... And I don't feel like that that's really necessary. Of course, I don't mind myself, you know. But uh, 
I believe that when we share at conventions, we, we're doing service work in Narcotics Anonymous. I believe the highest order of service work is found in our home groups. You know, I've been involved in that world thing, and I don't agree with a lot of things that's going on, or have been going on. But all I am is a member, man. I have my home group. That's where I have my vote, and that's where I serve at, in my home group. I still make talk in my home group. I still set up the meetings. I still take down the meetings after it's over with. Uh, myself and one of my sponsors, we're there all the time, you know. We, we never miss our home group, very seldom unless something rarely happens. I heard a person say, the only time you're supposed to meet your home group is for a funeral. And yours. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good thing to keep in mind, you know, that, that this thing, my very life depends upon Narcotics Anonymous and you. You know, I have what I have today, and some of you people might not want what I have. <laughs> some of the things I have, but it's a God-given gift, and thank God that I don't have the ability or the power to give that to you. Because some days I'd be just mean and honored enough to take it away from you right after I gave it to you. Now, I still have a lot of defects of character that are still pretty blatant in my life. Some of those things have gotten better. Uh, I remember within the last two years, uh, I used to have a lot of problems with anger and rage. And I got into an altercation. Well, I didn't, didn't get down to fisticuffs with a member in a meeting uh, about almost nine months ago. And I lost it, man. You know, and I, I went into that rage thing. And I had to go into the meeting and I had to apologize to the people that were in the meeting. And that was... One of those days that I was a bad example of what Narcotics Anonymous is all about. You know, I, it made me realize that I'm a human, that I, I'm not as well as I thought of it. And I heard a guy say a long time ago that we're only as well as our smallest negative thoughts. That tells me I'm still pretty sick, man. Because some of those thoughts I have aren't small negative thoughts. They're large negative thoughts. And that's got something to do with uh, the way I'm at. And I believe that uh, what little bit of serenity I have from time to time is is proportional to my acceptance level of what's going on in my life today and what's happening today. You know, I have... When I first got here, I got a phone call from home that uh, one of my sponsors had checked in the nut house. I didn't know what was really wrong with him, you know, and the guy that's got 90 days clean, and I can relate to him, you know. He's one of those people that was just like me, you know. And, and it really bothered me a lot. And I, I tried to call for a day, and I couldn't get him. And I got the, the operator to uh, intercept the line. And, and I finally got on and found out that he was okay. And for me, that was really important to find out how that guy was because I love him, you know, and I care for him. You know, uh, there was a possibility that he could have shut the whole town of Richmond up, you know. He, he was one of those people that carried around an arsenal and stuff, you know. And, and I was just real worried about him. I called him and he said, uh, he said, thank God it's called. He, he said, uh, I'm grateful 
that I did not use. I'm grateful that I had the best sponsor in the world that done something for me. Guy with nine days. You know. When I first started working these steps, I couldn't have said that to anybody. I couldn't ask anybody to even be my sponsor for a while. We didn't have many people in Narcotics Anonymous that knew what was going on. And I asked the guy that was just as sick as I was to be my sponsor. And I say a lot of times that two sickos don't make a willow. And it's the same thing in relationships. Two sickos don't make a willow. And most of those relationships, at least that's what we label them here. I, I have a different opinion of what they are today. There are little mistakes that we make in life along the way. After I developed those relationships with those four things that I talked about, today I have a real successful relationship. I have a wife that loves me and cares for me unconditionally. Uh, she accepts me. She trusts me. She loves me. I have a dog that trusts me and loves me. Sometimes I don't know which one I love the most, my dog or my wife. The dog that I have, he's an addict dog. Won't eat dog food. I cook for him. He's got his own little love seat in the den. Sleeps in the bed with my wife and I. And he's a pit bull that weighs about 100 pounds. See, even pit bulls get labeled wrong. Everybody that comes in the house, the dog is up loving and kissing on him as soon as they walk in. Because he's seen his mama and daddy hugging and kissing people. You know, today I can kiss a man. When I first got here, I wouldn't even hug a man. You know, I've talked about issues with my sponsees that uh, I was ashamed to tell people about. And I don't care what they are or what race they are today or, you know, one of the black guys that I sponsor, he was a member of the Black Panthers. And here I am, an ex-Aryan Brotherhood member that, and we love each other today. We kiss each other all the time, man. You know? That's changed, man. I would have never imagined that some of the things that have happened to me since I've been clean would ever happen. And it's just great. It's wonderful. You know, when, 
When I think about this program and I think about you people, I, I just get a rush that I never knew while I was out there using. Especially clean time countdowns when I see that person with one day coming out. I look at them and I say, thank you God, I hope they find what I found here. Some stay, some don't stay. You know, I've had to bury a lot of my friends in recovery. And that's hard. And I don't deal with that too well. But it's not my business to deal with that. The only thing I can do is be there for them and love them through whatever they're going through. The people that I sponsor, I try not to tell them what to do or how to do it. I try to share with them my experience, strength, and hope. Being addicts that we are, we're going to do what we want to do when we want to do it anyway. It would just be wasting your time. I never had a sponsor that asked me to do certain things or tell me not to do this and not to do that because I've always ended up hanging myself anyway. I don't know what got you here, but I know what got me here. Pain got me here. And that's what keeps me here a lot of times. That emotional pain that I go through when I get myself in those situations once again. You know? And I'm constantly doing that. I don't know whether it'll ever end or not. Sometimes I'm pretty sure it won't end. And I ask people with a lot of time in this program, hey, what do you do with this and what do you do with that? And the simplest answer I ever got was, Billy, just give time, time, and the miracles will happen. You know, I want what I want when I want it, and that's usually yesterday. And it's not that way. I called my sponsor up and I talked to him with all these major problems that I'm having in my life. And he looked at me and said, Billy, how long have you been clean? I said, well, almost 12 years. I said, well, how long are you out there using? I said, 20-some years. He said, do we need to continue this conversation? <laughs> we don't need to continue this conversation anymore, that's for sure. Sometimes I forget where I came from. Sometimes I forget how long I've been around these rooms. Sometimes I think the longer I stay around these rooms, the narrower the path gets. You know, this program is really simple. Go to me, write your steps, talk to your sponsor, help the new person, and recover. It's pretty simple. But how many of us are really, really willing to do that? All my life I was looking for something to fix me. I wasn't too successful in that. All my life I was running around looking for something that was already there. I didn't stay still long enough to use what I had. My first sponsor told me, don't analyze this program, utilize this program. What you give is what you get. The law of reciprocals. What goes around comes around. 
had a guy explain to me, and it don't make sense, too much sense to me sometimes. He said, I can take off here and start heading north and keep on going north. At some point, I can be going in the same direction, but yet I'll be going south. He tried to explain his law of reciprocity to me in that manner, and it kind of confused me. I guess it might confuse other people, too. But it makes sense, and I know that that's true. As long as I keep going in this direction, like it says in just for today, I have nothing to fear. Nothing. I have a love and a compassion for the new person that is real for me today. You know, I was the type of person that always wanted something for something, something in return. And I found out that by giving anonymously and expecting nothing in return was some of the biggest rewards that I ever found in my life. I try not to help people today for something. I try to help people anonymously. I try to put money in that basket anonymously. Because I don't have to impress anybody today. I don't have to have... I don't have to have everybody in these rooms like me today. Everybody in these rooms ain't about recovery anyway. And that's, that's nothing derogatory about the people that aren't in these rooms for recovery. I hope you find something while you are here. But a lot of times we're forced to come to these things and to these meetings that we have. And we don't want to be there, and I can certainly relate to that. Yeah. The things we say in meetings when everybody isn't about recovery gets all twisted and turned around. I guess if you was in the gossip and concern meeting, you could see just how that works. Yeah. And that's true in narcotics anonymous. We don't gossip. We're just concerned. And I'm guilty of that, you know. I confess up to being guilty for that today. But there's other steps that take a course in my action when I start feeling bad about it and seeing another person suffer from my actions. I have to make amends to those people. And that's changed for me also. You know. The people that don't like me when I come into a room and say, I'm Billy, I'm an addict, they damn well better love me, though. They don't have to accept me. They don't have to like the things that I do, but they have to love me as an addict. And it's the same way for me. I have to love them as an addict. And there's some people in this fellowship that I just can't get along with. As hard as I try, I cannot get along with them. But I've learned to listen to them in meetings. They just might be the person that saved my life on that day. You know, I must be one of the most blessed people in this room. I look around, I see a few people the same age. I'll be 55 in July. 
And when I got clean, you didn't see any addicts over 30. I don't believe in special interests. And I voice that everywhere that I go. Because none of us in Narcotics Anonymous, I certainly don't think, are special. I used to dress a certain way, act a certain way, and be a certain way because I was, thought I was a certain thing. All right, now. I hear you, girlfriend. And today I found that I'm not special, I'm just an addict. You know, uh... When I was here in 85 for the first time in the fellowship, I had some girlfriends that I didn't think about getting in the drawers. When I first got here in the first four or five years, there wasn't too many people that I didn't even want to rape or kill, you know. And it took me a long time and a lot of pain that I went through to deal with it, to be ordered, to be able to live with some of my feelings. And the sexual issues that we have in our lives today, I don't hear that being discussed in our meetings too often. Maybe they shouldn't be discussed in our meetings because I found out that that's what sponsorship's for. Men sponsoring men and women sponsoring women. That's real important. You know, it's the sexual issues that I've had in my life have gotten a lot better today. And that's through learning how to have those relationships that I talked about earlier. Without those, I was doomed from the very beginning. Now, there are exceptions. I've seen people come into these rooms and, and make it. God bless them. You know, for me, that wasn't that way. The steps sort of took hold of my life some kind of way and helped me in spite of me. The powerlessness over my addiction, I had to include that all in that first step. They, those things were part of my addiction. You know, if you get around a bunch of, well, I don't know about too many women, but if you get around a bunch of guys, uh, there's a lot of preoccupation about sex going on, you know. Uh, 60 to 80 percent of the conversation is engrossed in sexual issues and things like that, or what I should do and what I shouldn't do, and I'm sure it's the same way with women. I don't guess you're different especially, though, are you? And there's a lot of things that are going on in our fellowship, and I don't like to talk about outside issues, but a lot of our fellowship are dying from a sexual-related disease. That, that uh, I just have all the empathy in the world for people that are in that particular situation. I had a sponsor about four years ago that found out he was positive and he went home and blew his brains out the next day. 
have another friend now that's, that's dying. That's a real good friend of mine. And I handle it very poorly. Because there's nothing I can do. Just one thing I can do. It's what my good old mom did years ago. Just pray for that person. You know? When I tried to make amends to my mother, sort of like Dee's mother, uh, she said, well, it was after I was clean two or three years, and she said, uh, I don't know whether to believe you or not. This just might be another scam that you're trying to run on us, you know? She said, don't apologize to me. She said, just keep on doing what you're doing. Go to those little meetings you're going to. And hang around with those people that you, that look like the people you used to hang around with. And maybe your life will get a little better. And after about six or seven years clean, my mother finally accepted that I wasn't scamming on her anymore. And we had a beautiful relationship. My dad was very sick, and my dad and I were never real close. But in the first six or seven years that I was clean, we, we had a real good relationship together. I was able to make amends to him. You know, and we never talked before because I stole from him. I did things that I wouldn't even do to myself today to him and my mother. They would pick up the local newspaper and says, a local man arrested for armed robbery or whatever, you know, and murder and maiming and all those things that I've been charged with. And, and I can imagine today how they felt. But I can't change that. The only thing today I can change is what I found in this fellowship and try to be the best me that I can be today. You know, my relationship with my mom and dad both got real good after seven or eight years. And I only had a couple of years left with them. My dad died when I was eight years clean. My mom and I had to make a decision to uh, pull the life support from him. He'd been sick like three years in and out of hospitals and uh, my mom and I sat there and uh, my daddy looked at me and said I love you I know everything's going to be alright and he died my mom and I sat there holding hands and watched his last breath go out I couldn't have dealt with that unless I had the fellowship people in the fellowship came up didn't know my dad didn't know my parents and stood by me and loved me through that period that I went through. The next year, my mother died. And I didn't get to see her until after about an hour after she died. And when someone close to you dies, thank God I had the ability to make amends to both of them before they passed. When somebody dies, I realized that you have to go through a grieving period. And that grieving period reoccurs from time to time. For me, it's special on Mother's Day and Father's Day. They're rough times. 
but we survive. Some point in time, that might go away. But I'm sure there's many people in here that didn't have the ability to make those amends. And the best amends you can make today is trying to be the best you you can be and live this program like it's going out of style. Be a responsible and productive member of society. I try to be that today. You know, I've had a hard time with employment. They don't want to hire anybody over 50 years old. Just don't. You know, I've been in the treatment center business. I got my personal opinions about that. I won't say anything about it, but that's kind of rough sometimes. I look around the room, I see a lot of people that have been through that emotional stuff. And I feel for you. I love you. It's going to be all right. You know, ever since I took my fifth step, I've had a feeling about me that everything's going to be all right. Regardless of what happens, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. I don't have to use. i got friends that love me, that accept me, and I have another family today. You know, I have a daughter that, that my mom and dad took care of while I was in jail and penitentiaries. And I felt like I needed to make a lot of amends to her. And when my mom and dad passed, uh, I moved into the house with her and things didn't work out. She was uh, 17 years old and you know how we are when we're 17. We know everything. We're 17 going on 40. And I tried to sort of, I don't know, make unnecessary demands that I shouldn't be making on her because I didn't understand and I didn't know. And I tried to direct her life because I thought I was so wonderful and doing so well and I was in recovery and, you know, all the lies that we tell to ourselves, you know, we know what's good for everybody and can't manage our own damn lives. And I tried to make those amends to her, and, and it just didn't work out. You know, my mother and I decided to leave her the house, and uh, we had a lot of family things about the wills and all that stuff, you know, how those things go, and arguing and fighting and that's what happens to me in my relationships and things now. The, the things that defeat me most on money, property, and prestige. You know, that indifference or intolerance to that relationship defeats me the most. You know, I believe that the necessary ingredients for any kind of relationship are honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. The same that it takes us to recover. And that indifference or intolerance will defeat us. You know, I really believe that. Anyway, to make a long story short, my daughter moved in with someone else, and my wife and I moved back to Richmond, and uh, she broke up with this particular guy she was going with, and I met this other guy she started dating, and I liked the guy from the beginning. He's a dog lover, you know. And they got married... Uh, Two years ago, I had the honor of being the best man at her wedding. He gave her away. 
not the best man I gave away. Uh, one of his friends was, was the best man. Uh, I found out like six months ago I'm going to be a granddaddy next month. Now I know how I can make some amends. You know, I've already done that to the best of my ability with, with my daughter and her husband, but that child is coming up and uh, that's going to be a real important part of my life. You know? uh, I was talking to the taping guy when I first came in here, and you know, uh, sometimes I talk about... Uh, I wasn't talking about what you think I was talking about. I was talking about that, that sometimes I mentioned when I get up to share at a meeting that I, I came here to talk and you came here to listen, I guess. But if you finish before I do, I'll understand. That's sort of like it was when I first got here, you know. I couldn't understand my attention span was like one of them little buzzing things. Couldn't stay still. And I understand where people are coming from when they can't stay still that long. And sometimes even today I can't stay still that long in meetings. It, it depends on what's going on in my life. Uh, a lot of times I'm still a crisis person. When things level out, I feel like there should be something going on that, you know, isn't going on. But sometimes I have that little piece that passes all understanding. A serenity level that, that I've never known before, especially in quiet times. I believe in a God of my understanding today that I talk to on a regular basis. I believe that God wants good things for me. I want bad things for me, usually. I've made it a habit of getting on my knees and praying. You know, and I don't care where I'm at. I'll do it out in public or wherever. Rollo and I were RSRs together at the conference and things got real haywire. We got out on the parking lot on our knees and traffic going by and all this stuff. We held hands and said a little prayer, man. And things got better. You know, I'm not ashamed of my God today. I'm not ashamed of being a member of Narcotics Anonymous today. God loves me. God's love isn't contingent upon what I think or how I feel. God goes right on loving me. Even when I'm wrong. You people go right on loving me even when I'm wrong. You accept me when I'm unacceptable. And a lot of days I'm pretty unacceptable. But the part that I I like is that if I keep coming back, you accept me back in again, regardless of how I've acted or what I've said or what I've done. You love me unconditionally, and that's what I found here in these rooms. Wall-to-wall love, wall-to-wall care that are never found anywhere else. And medicine and religion and psychiatry, they seem, seem to have no answer for me that I could use. And in desperation, I sought help from you in these rooms. And I found what I needed ever since I've been here. You gave me back my life. You taught me how to talk. You even taught me how to walk. I used to walk with that little swagger and stuff, you know. I still walk with a limp due to old injury, but, you know, today I try to carry myself a little better. 
You know, if you look at me, I, I guess you, some of you people that don't know me would say, who the hell is he, man? The guy got nipple rings and tattoo on his head and tattoos all over his body. You know, that doesn't make any difference. I'm like Popeye. I am what I am. And I think I'm a pretty good me today. I think I'm the best me that I can be today. On any given day. There's a lot of things that I have to go through that I don't particularly enjoy going through. But I have to walk through that stuff in order to recover. The times that I've spent with a God of my understanding have been some of the best times. You know, I don't pray for specifics today. I used to ask for this and that and this and that and this and that. Today, sometimes the only prayer that I say is the prayers that I was used when I was out there using. I used help, God. God already knows what I need. You know, I hear people going around in meetings and say, Oh, what is God's will for me? You know? You start writing those steps, you'll soon find out what God's will is for you. For me, it's found in the 11th step. We sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only, only, only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelfth is having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. Nothing else. Not sponsoring 900 people. Not bringing in 1,400 new people to the fellowship. Not where you're at in your recovery. It said tried to carry this message to addicts and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Man, that's something. And you know, as hard as I try to do that, I can't do it continuously and constantly. And I know where that comes from as a result of working the steps. I believe that that spiritual awakening is a complete and psychic change. I really believe that. And that has started to happen for me. It started, it's a slow process. You know, I didn't get here overnight, and I didn't become addicted overnight, and I'm not going to get any better overnight. It's going to take time. I'm going to die with some of those defects of character that I have. You know, if God removes all those defects and shortcomings, Right now, I'd be crazy as hell, man, you know. I'd be a complete nut, and I wouldn't need you. But I really need you. I heard a guy say in a meeting one time, the only place you're going to ever find God is look deep within yourself. Then you're going to find out the very thing you've been looking for 
you've been looking with all your life. A friend of mine, Brother Rick, told me years ago, he said, you know, humility is a funny thing. Once you think you got it, then you lost it. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense to me. Heard a guy say in a meeting, when you know that you know that you know, then you don't know. But when you know that you know that you don't know, then you just might know. I don't know. <laughs> and as hard as I try to know, I, sometimes I do think I know it. And to take that a little farther, you know, we can be talking about something that's going on, a current event or whatever, and, and most people in a conversation will say, mention that particular thing that's happening out there, you know, and the person that's in the conversation with them says, yeah, I know. And they have no idea about what the hell is going on. We're people that like to impress people. You know, but I found out in meetings of Narcotics Anonymous, there's nothing dumb or nothing stupid you can say in a meeting. If we laugh, we're laughing with you, not at you. You know? It's good to be able to laugh. It's good to be able to cry. You know? Can I cry all the time? I'd be watching a dumb TV program start crying. I say, what is this, man? Why am I crying? See, there I go trying to analyze things again instead of utilizing them. Just don't cry and get over with. A lot of times crying today makes me feel better. It makes me feel good because a lot of times I cry tears of joy. I never, I never felt the feelings that I've felt since I've been clean. I had suppressed all those feelings for years, and I, I really know that this is a feeling disease. And we all have the same feelings. We all have the same thoughts. We all have the same ideas. You know, whatever anybody has done in these rooms, there's somebody else that can relate to what you've done. You know, you're not different. You're not unique. You're not unusual. I don't know how long I talk, and, and like I say, I never think about what I said when I get up here. So I heard a guy say in a meeting one time that the mind will only absorb as much as the ass will endure. And I see a lot of people squirming around, so I guess their mind is absorbed as much as their ass will endure. In closing, I'd like to tell you that I love you all. I care for you very much. I pray that you'll find what I found in this fellowship. I made a list almost 12 years ago when I came into these rooms with my expectations. I would cheat the hell out of myself. I found friends that, that love me and care for me and and they're just friends, man. They're not associates that I've known all my life. They're my brothers and sisters that love me in this thing called life. That's what this program's about for me. Life. Living life on life's terms. Loving each other, helping each other, supporting each other, caring for each other.
being there for each other. You know, we have a responsibility today to one another. Sometimes I forget that in my haste and my anger and whatever personally going on in my life. And that's when I keep myself out of some of the best rewards I've ever known since I've been in Narcotics Anonymous. Be there for that person. Reach out to that newcomer. Share your experience, strength, and hope with them. Tell them they never have to be alone again. Tell them they never have to use again. That's what it's all about for me. And thanks for letting me share.